Let's open our Bibles today to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And, uh, I know that in this room today there are some people um, attending for the first time. Some of you may be attending for a few weeks but haven't had a chance to meet. When this uh, time is over, I'll be out in the commons area there near the uh, just the middle table, the next steps table, and I'd love for you to take just a moment to stop there and say hello, and I'd love to meet you, and, and um, got some folks there that want to put a gift in your hand before you get away today, but please uh, take a moment to say hello, uh, glad you're here, and um, uh, a lot of you are here this morning, uh, and we know that when you guys are sitting on the front row, and uh, here's, I, I want to challenge you. We, we, I need some folks in this church family that will aggressively attack the front row, all right? Like, like just get here early so you can get the front row, all right? And, uh, and then maybe we, uh, it'll just help us uh, to fill in at the front, uh, but thank you, David. You guys for uh, uh, taking a bold step and sitting on the front row. One of the cool things about sitting on the front row is that it's you're kind of out of eyesight line. So like I'll preach right over you the whole morning, and uh, you'll you'll be like he wasn't talking to me uh, this morning. Uh, he was talking to them, all those folks uh, behind me. But uh, this coming weekend is men's retreat. Um, we, uh, I got a text yesterday from a guy in our church. He said, uh, you, you still riding with me? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he gave me the time that will pick me up next Friday. And so find you somebody to ride with. Sign up today before the uh, sun goes down. And let's go to the mountains and have 24 hours there in the Word and fellowship together. Uh, some of you may come not knowing a single other man in the church it's the opportunity for you to meet some folks, uh, learn some names, and uh, begin to build some relationships here in this church family. Before we get to Matthew chapter 6, I want us to pray together, all right? Father, we have already um, been praying for this day. I think of yesterday when people walked all over this property, sat in this room, laid on this floor, went from classroom to classroom praying for what you would do today. And so, Lord, there's this great peace and calm assurance that what happens in this room right now has already been taken to the throne. And we are asking you again that your kingdom would come on earth in this room as it is in heaven. Would you rule and reign in this time that is here? It's for you. Uh, you've called us together. You show us in your word that coming together in Jesus' name as the church is meant to be encouraging, to keep us from shrinking back, to spur one another on in love and good deeds. And so we, we know, Lord, what your intent is. And I would pray, Father, today by the power of the Spirit that your plans would be accomplished in this time. 
And so, Father, we want to hear from you. Your word is alive and active, and would you let it bear fruit in our heart as we see what you've preserved in your word for just this time. And we love you, and we praise you, and we look forward to what you're going to do. It may hurt. It may help. It may heal. We pray that it would be your work that would transform us to be more like Jesus um, when we walk away from this time. And Jesus, we are praying in your name. Amen. Several uh, years ago, I was with a friend. I've never forgotten this moment. A lot of things I've forgotten, but I didn't forget this moment. I was with a group of pastors at a conference, and we went to get lunch together. One of those pastors I knew pretty well. I knew he was the kind of guy that when you pray, you want to keep your eyes open. Uh, you know what I mean? He was a, a, uh, he was a guy that lived, uh, his, his spiritual gift was pranking. And uh, he, just, um, he just got a lot of life out of that. I hate that kind of thing. If you're wondering, <laughs> listen, have I ever pulled a prank on you? No, all right? So don't do it to me, all right? I just I don't like it. I just don't like surprises. The staff knows that, but unless it's a truck. That's, that's, that was very good. But that was not in the notes, but uh, it is in the parking lot. Um, so um, let's get back here to the notes. But So we're, we're, we're at this table, and we're, we're ordering, and, and they're taking drink orders and Sprite, Coke, water, tea, Coke, water, water, water. And it comes to this guy, and, and, and he said, I'll have water. And our young waitress, she's, she's marking that down. He goes, wait, wait, let me ask you. And she looked up at him, and he said, tell me this. Does your water have hydrogen in it? <laughs> tell your husband beside you why, that, why that's funny. And I, and I just uh, look at him, and, and, and here's what she said. She said, I don't know. Let me ask in the kitchen. And she goes into the kitchen, and we're sitting pretty close to the kitchen, close enough to know that she's had time to ask, and the eruption of laughter that's coming out of the kitchen. And she walks back out with a very interesting look on her face, and she looks at him, and she says, yes. Our water has hydrogen in it. Of course, I'm thinking, what else is your water going to have in it? But um, it is just, it, 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 we're just, water, hydrogen, oxygen, H2O. It's not water if it doesn't have hydrogen in it. Now, I want to ask you this question. Does your Christianity have forgiveness in it? Does your Christianity have forgiveness in it? Now, that's not a laughing matter, but the point is the same, that just like you can't have water with hydrogen, without hydrogen, you can't have Christianity without forgiveness. We are working through the Lord's Prayer. 
We're trying to learn how to better communicate with the Heavenly Father. We're, 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 we're praying that God would give us an increased appetite for time with the Lord, for conversation with the Lord and talking to the Lord. And we're taking these pieces of what we call the Lord's Prayer and uh, a subject each week, a phrase each week. It works out to be basically a verse each week. And we have seen where Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, pray like this. And he gives us a, a pattern. He gives us a, a model of, of prayer. I, I would offer to you today that Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, is the trailhead for prayer. It is the place where when we're talking to the Lord, where we're on this journey with the Lord, here's where we start in that communication. Here's where everything flows from. And we get here on this trailhead of the trail. It opens up a whole adventure of talking to him, communicating with him, hearing from him, spending time with him, praying with him. We have talked about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, we talked about how God wants to be involved in every basic need of our life. Where He taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And today we come to this next phrase in this prayer that he's taught us to pray. And it says in verse 12, uh, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He's teaching us how to pray. And he says a part of our prayer life involves forgiveness. Asking God for forgiveness and forgiving others around us. And it's a, it's a reminder to us, a testimony to us, that as we relate to God, we're not going to have the right relationship with God without forgiveness. In fact, uh, for today, that's, that's the big idea. The big idea of this passage is you cannot have a relationship with God that doesn't include forgiveness. That's how important this prayer is you cannot have a relationship with God that doesn't include forgiveness and so when we think about forgiveness and our relationship with God and how we pray he's he's calling us in our prayer life in our communication uh, with him to take up our sin debt with him to bring it before him and 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 ask of him for forgiveness. But he also ties it to our forgiveness toward others that have sinned against us or owe us something. We, let's work through this, uh, this, this idea of uh, having a relationship with God through forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, kind of want to build this this thought about forgiveness and our relationship with God and prayer on four four angles. Number one, uh, the perspective that clarifies our need for forgiveness. 
We need the right perspective as we come to this verse. And what he tells us without any beginning explanation, he goes from let, let God be exalted, let the Father be exalted, let his kingdom come on this earth. Father, would you give us our daily needs, our daily bread, and then he goes into daily forgiveness. And we see that our provision, yes, in this prayer is uh, of uh, our daily needs, but he, he moves beyond what is our physical needs to talk about our greatest spiritual need, and that is forgiveness of our debts. Let's take it as it comes uh, and forgive. What, what, are, what are we talking about when we talk about to forgive? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is release. Forgiveness is a release uh, for, forgiveness is a letting go of. Forgiveness is a wiping out. Uh, forgiveness is an, a, a, a giving up, a surrendering of seeking revenge. Years ago, someone taught me a definition for forgiveness, and it remains to this day to be the most helpful understanding of forgiveness especially in relationship with others and this is that forgiveness is the giving up of the right to hurt someone back the giving up of the right to pay someone back or hurt someone back that's what forgiveness is a release a letting go a wiping out an absence of revenge a giving up of the right to hurt someone back but what is forgiveness in light of what it's not because a lot of times we, when we hear statements about forgiveness and definitions, we, we come back with, with, but that means, or if I do that, well, what is forgiveness not? Uh, forgiveness is not ignoring. Forgiveness is not ignoring what's been done wrong. Forgiveness is not ignoring the hurt or the offense. Uh, for, forgiveness is not forgetting the offense. Sometimes we think that with enough passage of time, maybe they will forget or God will forget or we will forget. And just as long as it's no longer on our mind that it has been covered or let go. Forgiveness is not a forgetting. It may lead to forgetting, but it may never be forgotten and still be forgiven. Forgiveness is not a forgetting of what's wrong. Forgiveness is not a reducing of what's been done wrong. And sometimes we really battle with forgiveness because we think if I forgive, it will give the impression that what happened there is really not that big a deal. It's not quite as important as dealing with it from a forgiving perspective. Uh, forgiveness is, is not saying it, it just doesn't matter. It no longer matters. And we'll see that as we work through this understanding of forgiveness and how forgiveness is, is provided. He says, give us and forgive us or uh, release us. Let it, let it go. Wipe it out. Uh, don't seek revenge on me, Father. Uh, if I've offended you, Father, I'm asking you to release me. Don't bring judgment on me. Give us, forgive us of what? Our debts. In, in your memory of the Lord's Prayer, you may have uh, forgive us of our 
trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The passage here in Matthew uh, is, uses the Greek word for debt. Uh, later in verse 14, where Jesus is speaking about forgiveness, he uses the Greek word for trespasses. What's going on? They all contain kind of what the weight of sin is and what the meaning of sin is and what the offense before God is. A debt is something owed. A debt is something owed for what's been done. And he's saying, forgive us for what we owe and what we've done in either breaking your law or offending you or not obeying your law. And when we break God's law or we uh, don't obey God's law, we find ourselves in a place of owing, a place of debt. Debt is something owed. What is a trespass? A trespass is something that's just done wrong or not done right. The debt is what is the result of the trespass. You put the debt and the trespass together and you have the understanding of sin and sin is something done wrong or not done right that we owe for. When someone sins against us, there is a, they're in a place where we feel like, hey, you owe me something. This cost something. You've done something wrong or you've done something, you've not done something right. You've trespassed against me. Sin brings those two together. Um, now, when we deal with this, when we think about sin and we think about debt, before a holy God, before a holy Father, we recognize that there is nothing that we can do to pay our debt. We can run up the bill, but we, we cannot in turn turn around and do enough to cover for that wrong that's already been done. Let's move on to looking at this prayer number two, a prayer that confesses our need perspective we need is understanding what forgiveness is, understanding what debt and trespasses and sin are, then what do we do with it? What we do with sin is not attempt to pay for it, but we pray about it. Think about that this morning. That's the place that we're in with this prayer. How do we deal with sin that we cannot pay for? How do we deal with sin that someone has acted toward us, some offense that someone has done toward us? Well, what we're instructed to do is to confess our need by taking it to the Lord in prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. To confess means to agree. When we confess our sin to God, that is actually us saying, God, you've said what is right and you've said what is wrong and my life doesn't match up to that. I'm agreeing with you, God, that what's happened in my life is wrong. Confession is agreeing with God about our sin. 1 John 1.9 says, he who confesses his sin 
to the Lord, to God, he will be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In that 1 John 1, 9 verse, to confess our sin is, means to agree with God about our sin. So Jesus shows us in our prayers that the answer to the debt of our sin is prayer. It is asking Charles Haddon Spurgeon said about the Lord's Prayer, he said, when you read through this prayer, what you recognize is that the rule of the kingdom is asking. The rule in the kingdom is asking. And, and we go to God and we ask him for forgiveness. Now, when we think about this and we think of daily bread and I present to you this is our daily dealing with sin we look at that and we think well what about redemption what about what about justification isn't it true pastor that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that he covers all of our sin sin of the past sin of the present and sin of the future and the truth of that is yes and, and we call that justification. And that is God standing as judge over our life and seeing us as a sinner and Jesus Christ dying to pay for our sin as a righteous, sinless Lamb of God. It is his righteousness being credited to our account. And before God, like a legal decision in a court, the judge sees that our sin has been forever justified by the blood of Jesus Christ well what about the sin we commit today where is that not forgiven? why do we have to keep going back and asking him for forgiveness why do we bring it up before him again maybe in my study of the Lord's Prayer this year this is the light that has Come on, this is what has helped me so much in looking at this prayer. And what I want you to see is how this prayer begins. He says, pray then like this, our what? Our Father in heaven. And notice that this prayer, this communication with him doesn't start with our judge in heaven. God as judge Yes, Carlos, guilty. Jesus Christ, atonement. Faith in Jesus Christ, receiving him as my Lord and Savior, justified. I have his righteousness. The wrath of God has been satisfied. But this shows us on a daily basis that the Lord's Prayer is not a judgment prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a family conversation. The Lord's Prayer is me as his child talking to him as my father. And when I speak to him as my father, he's showing us that in our daily relationship, we need to not have anything that stands in the way of our fellowship, of our relationship. And so we come to our Father and we say, Father, you have commands. Father, you have expectations. Father, I, I, I missed that here. And we say to him, I'm sorry. 
I want to walk in step with you. I want to be in right fellowship with you. I want to be in right relationship with you. And this prayer teaches us to address him, experience him, know him as father. That's good. I mean, that's just truth. That's hallelujah. And... Kevin DeYoung, he put it in this sentence. He said, the prayer, the prayer forgive us our debts is not the cry of a frightened litigant, but the cry of a loving child. And today when we think about forgiveness, don't come to him as judge, come to him as father. If you know him, as, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is a, a daily dealing with sin before the Father. Number three, our perspective, the prayer that confesses our need. And number three, the parable that confronts our need to forgive others. There's a parable here that confronts our need to forgive others. Now, here's a... Here's the statement. Here's the prayer. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In verse 14, he comes back to this idea of forgiveness. It is the only phrase in the Lord's Prayer that receives commentary. It is Jesus going back to what I believe is the most important piece of the entire prayer. It is us asking him, dealing with him in relationship uh, with our sin. And, and then he, he puts together with this forgiveness from the Father is tied to our forgiveness of others. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'll read that, and I think so initially, is my forgiveness by God conditional based on my forgiveness of others? Does my forgiveness of others mean that I am then granted forgiveness? Am I working in a way for his forgiveness? We'll look at a parable in just a second, but just verses 14 and 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here's what Jesus is driving at. It's like he's saying, don't kid yourself. Don't trick yourself. Don't fool yourself. If you're not right with others, you're not right with your Father. And we can say, hey, I've dealt with the Father. I've made peace with God, but I just can't forgive over here. I can't, I can't lay this down. I can't let this go. I can't get over this bitterness in my life toward that person. What, God, what Jesus is teaching us here is the fact that you can't 
forgive here, can't deal with this bitterness is a clue, is an indicator that you haven't understood, received, benefited from his forgiveness. No matter what prayer you've prayed, no matter what card you've filled out, he's saying there's, there's, there's something there that if you're not right with your brothers and sisters of Christ and you hold on to that, don't let, don't, you know, there's no conviction over that, hey, then you're not right with me. You've missed what forgiveness is and does. Let's let the parable speak to this. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and not a long explanation here, really just praying that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts as we read through this parable. And he's addressing forgiveness and how we relate to others and how God relates to us. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, 18, verse 21. Peter, Peter came up to him, Lord, how often will, how, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Verse 23, therefore, he tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Just put there that that, and when he spoke those words, that was equivalent. One talent. One talent was worth 20 years. 20 years of wages. One talent worth 20 years of wages. And he says he, he owed him 10,000 talents. So 200 years worth of wages. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A de denarii was one day's wage. So he, his servant owed him just a hundred days wages compared to what he had owed his master of 200 years of wages. He said he owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. 
this parable confronts our need to forgive. It's a parable that confronts our need for the father's forgiveness as is seen by the servant going to the master who owed a debt that he would have never been able to pay. The, the, the hyperbole there is meant to give this picture that uh, there's, there's no way this servant would ever be able to repay 200 years of, of wages. That's the kind of debt he was confronted with. And that's the kind of debt that the master forgave. And that's a, a picture for us today that when we come before the Father, there's nothing that we can do that would, that would cover our debt of sin. All the things we haven't done and all the things that we have done, the iniquities that have offended our holy God. No way we could pay. And our only hope is to throw ourselves on the mercy seat of God and plead with him for his forgiveness. And then he goes on in this parable and he shows us then how that experience, that action by the master was meant to overflow into the life of that person so that in his relationship with someone who owed something, much less in light of all that he had owed his master, that there needed to be forgiveness and not throwing them in jail and holding them there until they could pay. This parable and the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, shows us the importance of this prayer for forgiveness, but also the hardest, the hardness of this prayer. And we sit here in this room and we be grateful for the Lord's forgiveness. We need, we need a fresh awareness of what it costs to pay for Carlos's sin, what it costs to pay for your sin and all of our sin together so that when we are offended by others, hurt by others, done wrong by others, crossed by others, trespassed by others, that we can extend forgiveness to them. And, and I know in my heart that the thing that I come back with, or, well, if I forgive, are there not consequences to sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. What we see in King David's life, and he sought forgiveness and expressed in Psalm 51 for his sin and his life that the consequences was that death would never depart from his house. The thief on the cross, when he believed in Jesus, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It didn't release him from the cross that he was hanging on and that he died on. There were consequences for the sin. There was an impact of the sin. But the debt owed for sin, the penalty for sin, the seeking of revenge of sin, holding on to what we might justifiably say puts us in a position to rightfully hurt someone back because of what they've done to us. The picture of our Christian faith because of Jesus is for us to extend forgiveness. And this brings us to the last piece of this message. And we want to just mentioned in closing the payment that covers our need for forgiveness. 
it's, a, it's an easy spot to, to put a sermon together and, and not know every story you carry when it comes to the offense of others or the hurts of others or even what is going on in your life between you and the Heavenly Father. But forgiveness by the Father and forgiveness toward others is made possible by one person. And his name is Jesus. The glorious good news that a debt that I would never to be never be able to pay in 200 lifetimes, I still wouldn't be able to pay back. I'd never be able to pay it back. But Jesus paid. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put it together so beautifully. In Colossians 2, verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. Wow. Paul could preach. And I think about in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, forgive one another even as Christ has forgiven you. Here's what happens. On my account of sin, Jesus Christ covering for my sin, he credits my account with so much righteousness. I'm able to draw from the riches now of my account, which is really his righteousness, and apply it to the lives of others that have offended me. And I'm able to release them and let it go because I know they're a sinner just like me. And just like me, they need God's forgiveness. Therefore, on this earth, I can release them, let it go, not live with bitterness, not keep them in jail of unforgiveness. Let God have it. Let God handle it. Let him deal with the consequences. But God, they're in your hands only because I have received so much forgiveness from you already. That's the way we're able to forgive others. So today, um, I want you to stand. We're going to sing the only answer we have for forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Do you know did you know that um, in our nation, we have a national debt? It's over $31 trillion. Do you know in 2022, it cost our nation $399 billion just to service the debt? That's not to pay the debt. That's just to carry the debt. $399 billion. That's what it costs to carry the debt. And I want to close asking you very 
personally? What's it costing you to carry your debt? Jesus has paid it all. Go to him and ask for forgiveness. You may need him as judge today to forgive you once and for all, forever. You may need now to address him as father and ask him to forgive you for your daily sin. But listen, among your brothers and sisters in Christ, in this room, in your house, in your marriage, with your parents, with your kids, with your coworkers, what's it costing to carry the debt of their wrong toward you? You're not agreeing with it. You're not, you're not forgetting it. You're just letting Jesus cover it. Talk to the Lord about it today. And let's forgive. Let's sing.